it certainly is a privilege and pleasure of mine to be here, not only to be here, but to be uh, asked to preach uh, these services of this camp meeting. And I, <clears throat> as usual, do not feel uh, qualified or capable, but we really aren't anyhow if the Lord does not somehow give us his help and assistance. Praise the Lord. But I do thank Brother McDaniel for his confidence in me to ask uh, me to do this. And I hope that we will not be a disappointment. We want to just be a blessing. That's what we're here to do. And uh, appreciate this church. I <clears throat> was trying to remember our previous visits here and my mind went back about 12 or 13 years I'm sorry but it's probably not a very good testimony of my spirituality I don't remember much about the service except that I thought the mosquitoes would eat me alive Praise the Lord. And so uh, I'm, I'm glad that we don't have that aggravation tonight. <laughs> Hallelujah. And then uh, we were here another time a little over nine years ago. And uh, this is the first time we've been back since then. But it's just good to be here and feel honored to be able to preach to this local congregation as well as others that may be visiting tonight from other churches. The Lord bless you. We're not here to try to make a good impression. We're not here to tickle your fancy. We're not here to uh, come out with any new slogans or cliches. Praise God. Hallelujah. We're not here, <clears throat> praise God, just to say what we want to hear. But hopefully we can say what the Lord would have us to say. Praise God. And I don't know what your reason for coming is. But I hope that it is with a desire and a hunger in your heart. For God to do something in your life. Give you a greater desire to serve the Lord. And we need it in this hour. And I hope that we are not uh, just spectators here tonight. And sit back and uh, with the attitude, we'll see what he can do. If that's your attitude, praise the Lord, I hope God gets a hold of you before this week is out. <clears throat> praise God. And if he doesn't, I'm going to do my best too. <laughs> Hallelujah. Praise God. And uh, to my brother, PA technician up there, unfortunately, I don't have a very strong voice, so give me plenty of volume on these monitors at least and uh, we've got a whole week to go and when we leave here we've got to preach a youth camp next week so I really do need my voice more than anything else and uh, so if you'll help me out on that I appreciate it and uh, so we just want to try to mind the Lord tonight and I had a message on my heart and really I wrestled and struggled with it all through this service trying to sidestep it, but uh, Brother McDaniel's comments just before turning the service over to me, 
rather than <coughs> just uh, putting a lot of pressure has helped to confirm what I have been feeling and so I'll do my best to preach it to you tonight praise God are you all going to help me praise the Lord I've said many times before I've learned to preach with and without amens praise God but it's a whole lot more enjoyable with them and if you get too noisy brother technician will just up the volume a little bit more and we'll carry on hallelujah but uh, <clears throat> uh, let's not just let one person do the work tonight but if we will somehow engage ourselves in our spirit to what is taking place around here God will reward us hallelujah and so I'm turning tonight to the book of first chronicles chapter 9 and while you're turning there I want to say that it is a distinct privilege also to be teamed up this week with not only a good friend of mine but also a very capable preacher and teacher of the Word of God and um, <clears throat> I would have been happy uh, to be yoked with just about uh, any one of these apostolic preachers and uh, but I was especially glad when I heard that brother Terry Mead would be teaching the day services one of the most practical men that I know and has been a great help to me uh, in years past it's just good to see him tonight and I'm looking forward to hearing the teaching of the Word of God tomorrow praise the Lord first Chronicles chapter 9 and I'm reading beginning with verse 17 and the Bible says and the porters were Shalom and Akub and Telman Abiam Abiman and their brethren Shalom was the chief who hitherto waited in the king's gate eastward they were porters in the companies of the children of Levi and Shalom the son of Cori, the son of uh, Biasaph, the son of Korah, and his brethren of the house of his father, the Korahites, were over the work of the service, keepers of the gates of the tabernacle. And their fathers, being over the host of the Lord, were keepers of the entry. And Phinehas the son of Eleazar was the ruler over them in time past, and the Lord was with him. Zechariah, the son of uh, Mishilmiah, it's quite an exercise just to read these, these names, was porter of the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. <laughs> All these which were chosen to be porters in the gates were 212. These were reckoned by their genealogy in their villages, whom David and Samuel the seer did ordain in their set office. So they and their children had the oversight of the gates of the house of the Lord, namely the house of the tabernacle by wards. And I'm directing your attention especially to a phrase in the 19th verse, and I'll use it for my subject tonight. 
keepers of the gates. <clears throat> keepers of the gates. Praise God. Could we raise our hands one more time and ask the Lord to help us tonight. Jesus, we beseech your assistance. We pray that you would speak to us through your word. Grant your anointing and unction. May it find its intended place. Help us, Lord, in this hour. Grant that special anointing to the preaching of your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Praise God. The Lord bless you. You may be seated. <clears throat> I read a book some time ago. Quite recently, actually, it was a book about the restoration of the nation of Israel in this century. And the book opens with a little incident that I'd like to mention to you. But it states that a rabbi who was one of the senior rabbis in the city of Jerusalem back in the year 1948, a few years after the close of the Second World War, during a time when Palestine was under the oversight of the British Empire. But it was a very troubled thing uh, and it was winding down and the British were leaving and uh, leaving Palestine to find and determine its own uh, course in history which eventually led to the birth again of the nation of Israel. But one sunshiny morning in May 1948, uh, this rabbi whose name was Mordecai Weingarten re, uh, heard from his little office in a little narrow street of the city of Jerusalem the sound of bagpipes playing and it appeared to be approaching, coming his direction and uh, thinking perhaps it would just come and then go on past he was then especially surprised when the sound of these bagpipes drew near and stopped outside of his door there was a knocking on the door and when he opened it up here was the leader of this regiment of soldiers together with their bagpipe brigade and uh, this man looked at him and stuck out a strange-looking object and placed it in his hands. And he was startled when he looked at it to find that it was nothing but a rusty old key, about a foot in diameter, or a foot in length, rather. Um, and this man announced to him, this is the key to the gate of Jerusalem known as Zion's Gate. And then saluting this rabbi, this regiment did an about-face and marched off again. And British the British soldiers left then Palestine. But this rabbi stood there holding this old rusty key with tears running down his face because he recognized that this was the first time in nearly 2,000 years 
that a key to one of the gates of Jerusalem was in Jewish hands. Dating back to the time when Rome marched in and breached their walls. And when the keepers of the gates of that time saw that the downfall was imminent, legend has it that these old priests took the gates to the very, uh, the keys rather, to the various gates of Jerusalem and threw them into the air and screamed out to the heavens, God be thou the keeper of the keys of Jerusalem. And after all of these centuries, finally one of these keys found its way back into the hands of an old rabbi. You have to understand just how sentimental these Jews are about such things. Praise the Lord, a gate may not mean that much to us, but it has always been a very prominent thing in the lives of the Israelites of old. In the Old Testament, when they had cities that were surrounded with big walls and it became necessary to have gates, uh, they occupied... Uh, not only a place in the wall, but a place also in the everyday life of the people. Praise God, a central role, second only to their temple. And I hope I don't bore you to tears here at the beginning. Praise God. But it was a place of the assembling of the people. It was a place where they congregated together, uh, where they just talked over current events, where they compared notes on the harvest, where they talked about the weather. It was also a place because of the gathering of the people for speech making. It was a place for deliberation on various issues that may have faced them. It was a place for proclamations to be made. It was a place for the reading of the law on the appointed day. It was also a place where the judges would sit and judge crimes or uh, various grievances and make their determinations and even sentence criminals. This was all done at the gates. It was a place of uh, where the prophets would stand and cry aloud. They would usually do it at the place of the gates because that's where the people were. They would present their discourses, they would give their admonitions, and they would uh, speak their prophecies. Hallelujah. It was at the gates, if you'll remember in Scripture, that Absalom worked his treachery against his father, King David. It was at the gates that Mordecai in the book of Esther uncovered a plot against the king. It was at the gate of the city of refuge that Joab drew Abner out and smote him under the fifth rib so that he died. Many prominent events took place and are recorded for us at the gates of the city. Praise the Lord. The book of Proverbs mentions that wisdom crieth at the gates to the fool passing by. Praise the Lord to learn knowledge and understanding. It was a place also of great importance 
in times of military conflict because it was the gates that sealed up the city. Therefore, it was usually the focus of any battle or struggle. They would try to breach the gates. Yeah. If they could break the gates down, then they could plunder the city at will. So there was much attention placed to the defense of the gates. Praise God. Hallelujah. If the gates fell, it was just a matter of a few hours or days before the city fell. And the Bible gives indication or teaches us that because of the central and focal point and the importance that the gates occupied not only in the city structure but in the lives of the people. Praise the Lord, there were men that were appointed keepers of the gates with the charge, praise the Lord, to watch over them. Therefore, the defense of the city was in their hands. It was not given, praise God, to some uh, imbecile. It was not given to a frivolous man. This job was not extended to somebody that merely had nothing else to do. But men were sought out, praise God, who had a great sense of responsibility. They were men of wisdom. They were men of perception. They were men of integrity. They were men of resourcefulness. They were men of great courage and valiance. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord because this was a crucial position. The livelihood and the survival of the occupants of the city rested in the hands of the keepers of the gate. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so they had keepers of the gates of the city in order to watch out for threatening foes. And if in that position, they would see signs approaching of an enemy, praise God, coming with war in mind. It was up to him. It was given within his authority to declare the closing of the gates. It didn't matter if it interrupted trade and commerce. It didn't matter if it angered the merchants. It didn't matter if it made the farmers mad. It didn't matter if the people complained. If he had reason to believe that danger was approaching, he could cry out, close the gates. Praise the Lord, and it would be done. Hallelujah. Not only the gates of the city, but as we read here, there were keepers appointed for the gates of the temple and of the tabernacle. If you read up about the structure of the tabernacle, it was surrounded with a wall that had rooms in which they would place valuable things. The relics of the history of the Israelites. Their treasures were found there. Their valuable possessions were located within the walls of the temple and of the tabernacle. And so there were keepers of those gates. And it was their duty to protect these treasures and also to keep out the unclean thing from within the walls of the holy place of God. Hallelujah. 
I understand that this may not be what you came to hear tonight. But if you'll just hang tight, praise God, maybe we'll come down your alley before this week is over. But I feel this in my heart this evening. Praise God. And, and I'm sure that you're already a step ahead of me tonight in figuring out that what I have said so far, I am going to compare to the modern day, praise the Lord, I should say present day, apostolic ministry. Praise God. It is not a pleasant task. It is not always a praiseworthy occupation. It is not one that is highly esteemed by this generation. But I believe that God has set keepers of the gates of his city in this hour. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Bible lets me know that the church is a city. In the 40th chapter of the book of Psalms, it calls it the city of our God. A couple of verses later, the city of our great king. If there is any city that is worth being protected, if there is any city worth keeping clean, if there is any city worth keeping on the file, it ought to be the house of God, the city of our great king. Hallelujah. I read where Jacob laid down his head one night, running from a vengeful brother. And during the night he had a vision of a vast staircase leading up into heaven. And he saw angels ascending and descending. And when he got up the next morning, he declared, This is Bethel, which means the house of God. And he said, It is the gate of heaven I want you to know you're sitting at the gate of the kingdom of God you are congregated together at the place of entry to our eternal resting place hallelujah if we ever needed men to take it to heart to be keepers of the gates we need it right now Because of the importance, it was essential that the gates be defended at all costs. It didn't matter how many bodies piled up, the gates had to be defended. Praise God. I read another book recently, an autobiography of one of the greatest generals Israel had in this century. He died a few years ago. Man with a patch over one of his eyes, his name was Moshe Dayan. And he wrote about, praise God, the time of the Yom, they call it the Yom Kippur War, which is one of the feasts of Israel, takes place during the month of October. And they had been receiving conflicting signals in the days leading up to that, that Egypt was preparing herself for an offensive against Israel an infiltration uh, and an invasion against their country. But they really did not believe it in time until right during the holy day of the Yom Kippur feast when their minds were on these celebrations and observations without warning, Egypt struck. Hallelujah. 
and it crossed the Suez Canal and it started going across the Sinai Peninsula and I read where all along uh, that western border of Palestine were several defenses battlements raise God or uh, gates if you please there were points of entry uh, that were being watched by detachments of Israeli soldiers and Egypt struck so suddenly so by surprise that the uh, soldier population of these defenses was decimated in the matter of hours and it looked like every stronghold was going to fall hallelujah the Lord and trying to rally the strength and regroup themselves for uh, a reversal of this offensive Moshe Diane radioed his instructions of these battlements and he said defend it at all costs it doesn't matter how much resources you use how much artillery you fire how many tanks are blown up or how many men die you keep the battle at the gates those were his words exactly because if you don't keep it there we're going to have them in our streets we're going to have them marching up and down our cities and, and threatening our wives and, and our children. Yeah. Hallelujah. Yeah. And he quoted an Old Testament passage from the book of Isaiah in the 28th chapter and the 6th verse where the Bible said the Lord would be a spirit of judgment to him that sitteth in judgment and for strength to them that turn the battle to the gates praise God hallelujah we might lose a lot of people at the gates but if we don't stop them there there's no telling how much damage they will inflict or how much casualties we will suffer and those soldiers understanding the severity of the moment they fought Praise God, some of them to their last drop of blood. Some of them died valiantly. But they stopped the battle at the gates. And Israel reversed the tide of the war and won the Yom Kippur War. Praise the Lord. But they probably would not have succeeded if there would have not been some men that would have said, at the cost of our lives, Let's stop them right here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. A gate is merely an entrance or an exit. Thus it is a passageway. It is also a barrier. Praise God. It is a division. Or it is also defined as a means of protection and security. Notice I said it is an entrance or exit. But that does not mean that we will allow anything to come in. Praise God, it is not free access for anything that wants to inhabit our cities. If we want to retain the integrity, praise the Lord, and the intactness of our cities, 
there are some things that we cannot, we must not allow to enter in here. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But I'm here to tell you that just like the surprise attack of the Yom Kippur War, we are living in a day when every stronghold the church has is being attacked this evening. Praise the Lord, be it the moral strongholds, or be it ethical strongholds, or be it doctrinal strongholds, or spiritual strongholds. Everything we have ever believed in, everything we've ever stood for, everything we've ever fought for is being assaulted tonight. Praise God, and if somebody does not quickly recognize Praise God, the urgency of the moment. If the strongholds fall, all of our churches are going to be swept away next. My urging tonight is, at whatever cost, at whatever price, at whatever effort, at whatever blood, sweat, and tears, let us keep the battle at the gate. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. But there's a lot of preachers and a lot of churches that are just simply opening up their gates. Praise God to everything and anything. And they're surrendering without even a struggle. Praise God, peace is so desirable. Praise God that they'll just let the enemy come in at will if they can avoid a conflict. I've heard them saying, so have you. We've kept a lot of folks out of the kingdom of God for years because, they say, we have preached all of these standards and convictions and requirements. And we've had all of this struggle and battle. We've had to preach hard. Praise God. And now we're just going to let anybody that wants to come to church and serve God the way they want to and live for him the way they think they need to live for him this is still the city of god it's not the city of the world and it's not the city of the devil it is the city of god and anything that inhabits here has got to pass his approval <laughs> hallelujah praise the lord praise the lord praise the lord well, some of you can't appreciate what I'm saying, but you better. I said you better. Hallelujah. Praise God. Gullible folks. Praise the Lord. Easily intimidated and demoralized folks. Remember the old story of the city of Troy that had withstood the advance of the enemy for a long while until the enemy devised praise God an interesting way of breaching the gates and they erected a big wooden horse praise the Lord and the inside of that horse was hollow and so uh, many of the troops of this advancing army crawled up inside this Trojan horse and they merely uh, during the night rolled it up to the gates of the city of Troy and the next morning 
Praise God, the men that were defending the city looked out and saw this strange device and their curiosity was so aroused. Praise God, it was so tantalizing and, and inviting to inspect it a little closer that they eventually opened the gates and towed the horse inside and closed the gates again for a closer inspection. But during the next night, praise God, that secret passageway opened up and those men poured out of there and they took the city of Troy by breaching the gates. Let us beware of the Trojan horses that the devil is bringing against the church today. Not everything that talks in tongues is apostolic. Not everything that sings and shouts is apostolic. Not everything that proclaims to love the Lord is apostolic. Hallelujah. Praise God. It may have a semblance. And, and because of our gullibility and, and curiosity, we're towing it all in. And praise God. We better watch out what we bring inside the gates. And lest it turn around and destroy us. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I believe the charismatic movement is one of the greatest curses against this generation. Praise the Lord. And you'd think that everybody would have brains enough to see through the veneer and to recognize the hazard and the danger. Praise God. But just because they know how to tap their feet and clap their hands and sway with the music. Praise the Lord. We think they must love God. Don't they really serve the Lord? And whole churches are going charismatic today. And they think they're winning the world. When the truth is that the world has won them. I don't care how many times you've heard it. You're hearing it again right now. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. And instead of folks appreciating their pastors and preachers and getting up and saying we don't need this and we don't need that and we're not going to do this other, they sit there with bitterness, with resentment, with hatred in their hearts. And our pastor won't let us have a good time. And he won't let us have fun. He won't let us enjoy life. No, he's trying to save your life. That's what he's trying to do. Praise God. These men aren't here to deprive you of enjoying life. They're not here to keep you from having a good time. They're here to teach you how to have a good time. And teach you how to enjoy life. Why don't you learn to be in church with a deep sense of appreciation. Thank God for the apostolic ministry that's still looking out for the defense of the city. Still knows how to call for the swinging shut of the gates. Whatever it is necessary. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. What a need there is again in this hour. There's always been a need. But what a desperate need we have. For those that will take a stand at the gates. Praise God with all the forcefulness that's necessary. At the risk even 
of appearing to be an outdated curiosity. Some uh, Frankenstein monster. Praise the Lord that this world cannot comprehend. Or a dinosaur from the past that has no place in this modern age. I don't mind telling you, and I'll probably tell it to you several times this week. I hate so-called modern Pentecost. Praise the Lord. I said I hate modern day Pentecost. Their smooth ways and their charisma and charm and their polishedness and, and everything else. And, but they're allowing everything and anything that come on inside. And you better learn to be able to look across and, and see rugged men like are sitting around here tonight. And say, thank God somebody cares. Somebody's watching. Somebody's worrying about the city. The Bible said in the book of Amos, the fifth chapter and tenth verse, they hate him that rebuketh in the gate. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I mean, there can be a good move, a revival, good spirit in the services. And all of a sudden, without warning, pastor gets up, and calls a screeching halt to everything. Praise the Lord. Revival spirit, folks think, evaporates. People wonder why the disruption in all of the good move that they're enjoying. And he starts saying, we're not going to do this. So and so, you quit what you're doing. Hallelujah. We're not going to allow this other in this church. And it is an unwelcome disruption in the harmony of the services. But the keeper of the gate reserves the right to call a cessation of all activity and call for the gates to swing shut. Oh, if we could convince some people that the closed gates is not always a sign of confinement, it is a sign of protection. I'm glad we've got a defense. I'm glad there's a barrier. I'm glad there's something standing in the way between us and the enemy. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Well, some of you haven't raised an eyebrow yet tonight. Praise God. Some folks can't appreciate that. That's why they're always looking for a reason and excuse to dart and bolt outside of the gate. I thought with heaviness in my heart as this pastor spoke about this tragic event that just took place today. Praise the Lord, an individual, I don't know the circumstances, that thought he was better off outside the church. Living for God was too hard. Praise the Lord, serving the Lord was too much of a sacrifice required too much folks sitting right here in this building tonight if the Lord tarries another year won't be in the church praise God you're already plotting your escape you're already wondering how you can break loose you're already looking for some other destination some other place of habitation and you think your pastor's old fogey and out of touch with the time 
You're figuring out ways to enjoy yourself, to have a good time outside of the church. Go ahead and break out of the gates. Go to the honky-tonks. Smoke your cigarettes. Drink your beer. Dance. Praise the Lord in the dance halls and have yourself a good time. But when the enemy comes, you will have no defense. Thank the Lord for a city. Thank the Lord for a city that has a great king and some conscientious gatekeepers. And the Bible said God is known in her palaces for a refuge. I don't care what happens. I'm glad I'm in the church. It's still the safest place to be. It's still a place of protection. Why don't you raise your hands and thank God that somebody has kept you in the gates. the Lord maybe you got mad when the pastor said we don't go to the bowling alleys we don't go to the skating rinks praise God some places we just don't go some things we just don't do maybe you sat there and you thought praise the Lord I can't have a good time in church praise the Lord yeah maybe you think you can't have a good time but you can at least survive in the church and outside of the church, you won't survive. I'm here to tell you that living for God at His worst is still a thousand times better than living for the world at His best. Hallelujah! Praise God! Praise the Lord. Keepers of the gates. I read where Nehemiah walked up to some merchants that were wanting to keep the gates open on the Sabbath day and indulge in their trade, wanted to make money on the Sabbath, have no respect for sacred things. And he told them to get away. And he told the keepers of the gates to close them. And he looked out there and the merchants were still camped around out there. You know what he did? He walked up to them and he said, Now let's see if we can work out a good solution to this problem. Let's see if we can't work this out as reasonable men. And have it both ways. Praise God. We'll, we'll uh, concede, make some concessions for you if you'll make some concessions for us. That's what you think. Nehemiah walked up to them and he said, I told you to get away from here and close these gates and he said if I have to tell you again I'm going to lay hands on you praise God that's exactly what he said I'm going to lay hands on you and it wasn't praise God so that they could get a good blessing either I'm going to turn you every which way but loose you better be glad your preacher gets rough and tough and mad Romping up and down the arms. He said, I already told you once. If I have to tell you again, I will lay hands on you.
this is the way it's going to be around here. And if you don't like it, get out. But we're going to close these gates when we need to. That's the kind of charismatic preachers God had. Nehemiah's, I weren't afraid to say, buddy, I'm going to get a hold of you. Shake the daylights out of you. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. That's the only language the enemy understands. I said get out. And that's final. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. If you think Nehemiah was out of order. I look in the New Testament. Where the head man himself. Walked into the temple to pray. And instead of being able to pray, there was all the sound of money changing. And the merchants uh, uh, hawking their goods. Somebody give me five, give me five, give me five. Praise the Lord, here they were. Their tables set up and their merchandise and, and these animals they were selling for these folks that wanted to offer sacrifice so they wouldn't have to parade their lambs down the street. And everybody know, oh, so-and-so sin. Look at him. He's going to the temple and offer sacrifice. So he could sneak over there and buy a lamb on the sly and offer it up. And Jesus walked in there and he put his fingers together. Now, gentlemen. Praise the Lord. If you'll uh, give us a cut of your profit. We'll give you a little place over here where you can do this. But I would really rather that you not. If you wouldn't mind, pretty please, with sugar on top. Praise the Lord. No, sir. Bible said it took up a score. And he went through that kitchen table My father ordained this a house of prayer. And you have made it a debt of thieves. Don't tell me a preacher doesn't have the right to walk up and down aisles and tell filthy spirits, get out of here. This is a holy place. This is a sacred place. We're not going to allow it around here. Praise the Lord. Let him get mad. Let him get blood in his eyes. Let him get upset. Let him walk over pews. Get out. Get out. We're trying to protect the wives. Hallelujah. We're trying to protect the children. We're trying to protect the young people. Praise the Lord. Thank you. Homosexual spirits are already sitting in the pews before they can preach against it. We don't have to wait for adultery and fornication to sit on these pews before they can preach against it. 
We don't have to wait for folks, praise God, that have television to sit on these pews before they can preach against it. Anytime they want to, they can get up and say, this is still the way we believe it. This is still the way we do it. And we're not going to have it around here. And if you resent that, you don't even like yourself. Praise the Lord, you don't like your life. You don't even want to live. Adulterous spirits sitting in congregations all over this country. Protected. Praise the Lord. Sheltered and harbored because they're big contributors in the offering plate. Allowing all of the filth to come in. Praise God so that we can keep a large number and make a good impression on the visitors. It's not as important to have a large number as it is to have a clean church. Common sense tells you that. So you're not qualified to speak. You're not a pastor. I'm qualified to preach anything this book teaches. Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Let me tell you something else. And I may, you may think I'm misusing a scripture here. Maybe I am stretching it a little bit. But I read what David said. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of wickedness. If in order to live in a holy place, I've got to be a doorkeeper. Standing out there saying, you can come in, you stay out. here. I had rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God. Praise the Lord than to let anything come in and dwell in the tents of wickedness. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Keepers of the gates. You may be seated if you want to. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let me tell you something. Clean, godly looking apostolic gatherings are rarities anymore. And the reason is somebody didn't do their job keeping the gates and the book of Deuteronomy the 28th chapter says if you don't obey the words of this law God said I'll send enemies to distress you at your gates praise the Lord and if that isn't going on today then I'm a whole lot dumber than I think I am Praise God. The 
Bible said he would be a spirit of judgment to them that sit in judgment. And he would help out those that turn the battle to the gates. I think it is proper and necessary that we purpose in our hearts we're going to repel the enemy right at the gates. <clears throat> we're going to stop them right there. Praise the Lord. I read that one of the mighty men of David, his name was Shammah. You know what he did? The enemy was coming. He went out and met him out there. He didn't wait and hide in the alley till they started marching down the streets. He went out and met him out there. And he stood in a lentil patch. Praise God, pea-picking patch. And he defended it against the Philistines. And he fought so long, his hand clave to the sword. They usually farmed the fields outside the walls. It's where the farmlands were. The lentil patches were not considered all that important, so they were the farthest away from the gates. Those that were the more necessary crops were kept close so that they could defend them easier. But the little patch was not all that important. But Shammah thought it was. He went out there and he said, I'm not even going to let you have this pea patch. And he fought, and he fought, and he fought, and he fought till he couldn't even lay his sword down. There is nothing about the kingdom of God that is unimportant, that is insignificant. We're going to fight if it's even for a child. We're going to fight, and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight, and we're going to fight. Hallelujah! Let's repel the enemy before they storm through our gates. I read where Samson one day got trapped inside a Philistine city. And I know that, and I, I, I understand, you understand that he was there out of the will of God. He was messing around where he shouldn't have been. But the Lord several times turned it around for the good before he finally gave him up. Turned a bad situation into a victory, not for Samson, but for Israel. It wasn't Samson that God was defending and protecting. It was his cause. And Samson in that city, suddenly during the night, Spirit of the Lord moved on him. He marched up and got a hold of the gates of the city and jerked them off their hinges and carried them up on a hill. It wasn't just because he was trying to break out. He could have just busted the gates open and walked out. But to rip the gates off and carry them up on the hill was the biggest insult he could have given to them. Rip their gates off. Leave them vulnerable. Hey, why do we always have to sit around and wait for the devil to attack us? Why don't we start ripping some of his gates off? Why don't we start insulting him? Why don't we start charging him? Let's turn the enemy to the gates. Fight them all the way back to where they live. Sitting here 
praise God, rebounding from every blow that the enemy throws against us. Why can't the church be aggressive? Why can't the church rise in arms? Why can't the church says, we're tired of you messing around with us. And now we're not going to sit here huddling in fear. But we're going to march out and drive you all the way back to your gates. Oh, I know that just sounds like dramatizing, but it's still the truth. Praise the Lord. And the Bible speaks about Abraham's seed. The prophecy was they would possess their enemies' gates. That was the promise. And so it was. I'll not be too much longer this evening. But I thought about an incident that I read during the time of of Israel's rebirth as a nation in 1948 and they were just a struggling little band of folks trying valiantly to assert themselves in a region filled praise God with their haters and enemies and they had just meager weapons that had been left over from World War II tanks and artillery that just was left behind because it was too bothersome to take it back. That's all they had. Little pop guns almost. Little ragtag army with not even uniforms to wear. No fancy equipment, artillery, praise God, or command structure. Everything was very primitive. And in a far off post, far off in terms of their country, after the declaration of the State of Israel before the United Nations, a little town called Degania, the Syrian army rolled up with their fancy Russian tanks right up to what Israel had declared was the border and stopped with their big guns pointed at them. Nothing but a barbed wire fence there. That's it. On the other side was just their farmlands. And so these... Israelite defenders of Degania kept radioing their high command. High command strongly uh, in parentheses. It was not much of a high command. Radio the high command said, we need reinforcements. We need backup. We need help. Weapons, ammunition. We don't have hardly anything. And they, for days, all they did was they ran empty trucks, covered trucks, empty, in and out of the town of Degania to make the Syrians believe they were bringing supplies in. But they were empty. Just kept them guessing. But finally they heard those tanks rumbling and they knew they were getting ready to come across. Hallelujah. And so in desperation they cried for help. And the high command said, I'm sorry we're spread too thin. We cannot send you any more help. And they said, but what I'm to do? Praise God. And their commander said, just stand there and watch them come across your fields. And when they do, it'll make you so mad you'll get rid of them somehow. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Sure enough, here they came. Dozens, hundreds of tanks. The most 
uh, update equipment of the time rumbling across their farmlands. Here these poor little old farmer boys stood there wanting nothing more than just to raise their crops, build a little house, raise their family and live happily ever after. Here they are making tracks across their corn rows, fields. And they stood there weeping with rage watching those tanks come. Stood there shaking so mad. And finally a young man, his name is not recorded, just a nameless face, got so mad he grabbed a Molotov cocktail. You know what that is? It's an incendiary bomb, homemade. Just a bottle filled with with flammable fuel, with a makeshift fuse and screaming, angry. He ran with this thing blazing, getting ready to explode and he leaped up onto the tracks of one of those tanks, hopped up on the top, opened the hatch up and threw that thing inside and blew up himself and the tank. And when those other Israeli farmers saw what he did, Praise God, it so galvanized them into action. They ran screaming and stormed those tanks, and believe it or not, it's in the annals of history. Drove them back with nothing but plows and little handguns. Drove tanks back when they saw them coming across their fields. It made them so mad. What are we going to do today as we see the modern machinery of the charismatic movement and of Pentecost, world of Pentecost? Praise God, marching across our fields with impunity, laughing their heads off, trying to stop us if you can. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to stand and watch them come until finally we get so mad that by the name of Jesus Christ, we're going to rise up in arms and drive them back. Oh, hallelujah. Won't somebody be willing to keep the battle at the gates? Let's praise Him right now. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. God's faced enemies before. God's seen armies before. Praise God. All of their weaponry, all of their arsenal doesn't scare Him. The Bible said in the book of Psalms, Praise thy God, O Zion, for he has strengthened the bars of thy gates. He hath blessed thy children within thee. If we want to protect it, God's going to see to it that the church stays clean, that the church stays holy, that the church stays pure. Praise God. Oh, some of you can be so casual. It amazes me. Don't you know your lives are at stake? Don't you know your offspring depend on it? 
maybe you're indifferent, but Jesus said, Upon this rock, I will build my church. And the gates, the gates of hell, shall not, shall not prevail against it. Let's all stand and praise Him right now. I'm glad to read the Bible saying Behold He that keepeth Israel Shall not slumber Or sleep In closing I want to read another scripture David wrote it in the 118th chapter of Psalms The 19th verse He said Open to me the gates of righteousness. I will go into them and I will praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I hope there's nobody here that is resentful of the church. I hope there's nobody here resentful of the ministry. Resentful of your pastor. Young people that say, just wait till I get old enough to do my own thing. And I want to find out what life is all about. Adults to whom the church has become boring, repetitious, bothersome, an intrusion into their life. It's too hard to interrupt their chores, their little activities, their jobs, and get ready for church and come to church. And they sit there with that look on their faces, I wish I was home. My feet kicked up on a lazy boy chair. Some rest and relaxation. Revival again. Here we go, same old message again. We've heard it so many times, we're sick of it. God has appointed somebody to keep the gates. And it is for your benefit. It is to your advantage. And if you can't come and enter into his courts with praise and into his gates with thanksgiving, you don't deserve to be here. You deserve to be in an emergency room crying tonight. You deserve to be out there with your family all busted up. Not even knowing when your kids are. You better be glad somebody's looking out for your welfare. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. I'd like to believe that everybody here is appreciative of it. Are you? Yes, I am. Lord, Lord, 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Can you say thank you, Jesus, for the keepers of the gates? Oh, God. May seem out of step with the times. Praise God. Somebody's still zealously guarding them. When trouble comes afar, says, Shut the gates! Hallelujah. I don't know what direction we'll go in the remainder of this week. I don't know which way God will lead us, what He will do. If this hasn't thrilled you, I make no apologies. Praise God. Maybe you'll have your kind of service before this week is over. But I think it's high time that God's people have a new sense of appreciation. For the gates that not just keep us in, but keeps the enemy out. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Let's praise Him one more time this evening. Let's praise Him and love Him. Oh, God. Thank you, Jesus. Enter into his